Welcome to the Music Retail Show. Having conversations about the musical instrument industry to take you and your business farther. The Music Retail Show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Retail Show. Richard and I, man, we have a great opportunity to talk with Tim Coletti of the Music Go Round uh, Business and Franchise. Man, this is a great episode where he dives into how they build their business, their philosophy, and their mindset. Just a reminder, though, the audio quality on this, because we Skyped, is a little sketchy. Just hang in there, check it out, listen to it. You can get it all in, but just wanted to throw that out front. All right, we'll see you on the backside. All right, we are back for another episode, man. We yeah. uh, we got a great guest on the show. Uh, obviously, we're going to be skyping in here, but uh, man, I'll tell you what, this uh, Richard, this winter is—I uh, have to admit, this winter's starting to wear on me just a little bit. I I'm ready for the cold to I, go away. I've got cabin fever, and in fact, our guest, who we're going to be introduced here in a second. Uh, must love the cold well, from he, where they he live. He probably knows what cabin fever. And so to introduce our guest today, we have Tim Coletti, yeah. who he's going to not only uh, kind of take over the introduction, but yeah. he's going to give us a little bit of his background. So Tim, uh, happy you're here. Yes. Really excited. Um, we have a lot of really cool questions that we want to ask you. But on the cabin fever uh, uh, side, you could talk about that for a second, because where you're at, it's really cold we're a bunch of sissies down here <laughs> what is the temperature and i think you know that <laughs> the temperature on my drive in this morning to work was minus three. Oh minus my three. gosh dude that, that exists that's with the, with the wind chill you guys probably are not even familiar with what wind chill means. yeah hey wait. tim do you realize they sell houses down here and yeah. you could move you know, at this time of the year that's becoming more and more apparent um so yeah it's 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 rough up in minnesota but we've always said that we suffer January and February, because when March and April come around, it gets nicer, and then the summers here are fantastic. Oh, they're beautiful. So, yeah, yeah. Yes. I, 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 it makes us it makes us appreciate 100 uh, 90 degree weather that we get in July. It makes yeah. us appreciate a whole lot more when it's 20 below, 30 below, oh, things gosh. like. That. Yeah, oh, all right. I, I was talking to Scott at the Duluth location. Uh, about a week and a half ago, and he was telling me that the wind chill was getting down to like negative fifty eight or oh, something that's there. Disgusting. And I was like, I don't even understand yeah. why. Why do you stay yeah. there? Why do you not just pack everything up, get in the car, and drive south? It's like self torture. Uh, I think that's what goes on. So, anyways, let's bypass this, and uh, we're going to talk business. We're going to talk with Tim Coletti. Tim, again, we're very happy you're on here. Yes, you're thank coming you. from the music go round family, but it's the umbrella is a little bit bigger than all of us really know. There's several different brands under that. Tell us uh, a little bit about you, how long you've been there, uh, what your title is, and give us a little bit of uh, the people listening and watching a little bit of, of your background. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, you already introduced me, Tim Coletti. I'm the director of Music Around, uh, one of five retail brands that is owned and operated by Winmark Corporation. So I actually work for Winmark Corporation, W-I-N-M-A-R-K. Uh, we are traded on the NASDAQ. WINA is our, our, our identifier on the NASDAQ. We own five franchise retail brands. Um, music around, obviously. Uh, Played Against Sports, which I'm also the director of that brand. Wow. Um, Love that. And then we have three of... Yeah. Played Against Sports is, is our cornerstone brand. It's a brand that's 35 years old that just about everybody... in America, it's our, If we have a household name brand, it would be that one. Okay. Um, we also have three apparel brands, uh, Once Upon a Child, Plato's Closet, and Style Encore. So collectively, 
roughly 1,300 retail brands across North America. Uh, we do roughly a little bit over $1 billion, $1 billion <laughs> nice. uh, in, in, uh, in, 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 in retail between our brands, and it's all based on the buy-sell-trade concept. So music around being roughly 80% of our revenues are based on, on sales of used products. Um, our apparel brands are more like 95 to 99% used. Wow. Uh, and then my other brand, Played Against Sports, is about 40% used to 60% new. Now, so. the, the Played Against Sports, the, this is a promotion for you. Is that something that you recently took over? Yeah, last May. I've, I've been with Winmark for 25 years. I started at the very first Music Around store in Roseville, Minnesota in March of 1994 as a uh, commissioned salesperson. That was the first one. Um, that was the first one. Uh -huh. That was the first one. Most people will argue that Uptown was first. It wasn't. Roseville actually opened in June of 1993, uh, and uh, our Uptown store opened later that summer. Um, but the Uptown store in Minneapolis was kind of what we called the mothership. It was the okay. bigger store, and it was urbanly located. Uh, and it was our, our number one revenue store way back in the dark ages when, when we had corporate stores and things like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, really from 94 until 99, our company had both franchise stores as well as corporately held stores. Uh, and when our business evolved from our, the prior company that owns us called Grobiz International to what we know today as Winmark, we made the decision to get out of owning stores okay. with all of our retail brands. So we started selling all of our existing corporate stores to franchisees. Um, uh, and uh, in, that started about 1999. Um, mm -hmm. In 2001, we became Winmark Corporation. Uh, we don't own any stores, but like I said, we have 1,300 retail stores, uh, franchise retail locations across North America. Yeah. So, so that's a, a little bit of a, a of a history how I got in. Um, I guess my history. Like I said, I started in March of '94 as a commission salesperson in uh, first corporate store in Roseville, and I I took over that store as a store manager, and then. I, I oversaw some of the corporate stores that we had in town until 1999. Um, that's when I became a field operations manager for the brand of Music Around in 2000, sit over as the director of the brand. Um, and then in May of this past year is when I also added the, the title to Play Against Sports. So yes, it's absolutely Man. a promotion when I'm, going, when I'm going from a brand of 35 stores to taking over a brand of 300 stores. Congratulations. Thanks. That's oh, awesome. It's, it's cool. It, I think it's really cool that the company would hire someone or give me that brand to someone who looks like me. So, <laughs> <laughs> they so, must have a so, lot of faith uh, in you. Uh, either that or they're, uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> either that or you're the last I'll, man standing, huh? Well, yeah, you know, there's, no, I don't think there's a bit of that. But, but uh, 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 we've done amazing things with the brand of music around that uh, we look to replicate um, and, uh, and, and kind of align with Played Against Sports yeah. uh, to help them, help them better find their identity. Again, what makes us unique in the marketplace yeah. is the fact that all five of our brands are based on we buy from you. That's yeah. who we yeah. are. That's what we do. Um, we're not the place you go to to buy something. We're the place that you go to sell your stuff. Okay. If you want to talk about it, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a paradigm shift when it comes to retail. Hmm. Um, but uh, that's where we've made our success, uh, and that's what that's what played against sports was founded on 35 years ago, and we're kind of we kind of lost that. Yeah. Uh, and my goal is to get us back into that marketplace where we will dominate the used sporting goods industry, like 
music around is doing so in the used musical instrument uh, side of brick and mortar retail. Yeah, and, so. it, and it seems like you guys' concept was actually in some ways ahead of the curve because today used is actually very popular, but you guys came up with this concept years ago, which, which might have been a little foreign, but looking at today's climate, I mean, you guys are kind of the godfathers. Yeah, you know, I, I I really think the first step of it was when the market fell apart in 2008. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. And people, you know, the, the, the concept of disposable income went away. But if I go look at our performance of our brand at the time in 2008, we didn't miss a beat. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the industry, the music, the MI industry was going through double digit negative comp, you know, year after year after year. We were still showing positive comp growth. It wasn't tremendous. It wasn't sure. six, seven, eight, ten percent like we're seeing now. But what we really what we what we started off with the idea is let's just be different. Let's do something different. What it became is economically feasible in a difficult financial or economic situation. So disposable income shrunk for everybody. Um, We're not even going to talk about equity and net worth. We all know what happened to that because all of our 401ks went away real quick. Yeah. But just disposable income. So the buying a use less Paul became much, much more attractive to every financial sector, every Absolutely. financial demographic. Yeah. So that's where we look at our brands, all five of our brands, and say we're fairly recession-proof. Um, the other thing that we know is that during that economic downswing, people lost their jobs. Yeah. And they were looking for something else to do with their lives. And most of the people that come to a Winmark, we, all five of our brands are people who have spent a lot of time working for the man, as they call it. And they want to be their own boss. Gotcha. Well, we had... People being laid off, people getting severance packages, people having this money that they can put into their own business. We really saw the number of stores developed and opened during that financial downtime really growing because they had the money to invest into a business. The uh, The marketplace was catering to value price pointed product, yeah. i.e. used. Yeah. So it all kind of fell in place. It'd be wonderful when you say that we we foresaw this. We knew in 2001 that we didn't know that was going to happen. We just knew that we had an economically viable business that if you want to get real technical and talk about it from the financial side, um, our businesses are in a very healthy place because we own our inventory. We literally buy our inventory from our customer. So we're in a very healthy financial place. We don't owe vendors debt. Yeah. Yeah. That's very smart. Very smart. It is. It is. And it's just it's an economically sound business structure without getting too detailed into it. But we are really building our businesses as a cash out business Mm -hmm. instead of a terms based business where traditional retail, I bring something in from a vendor. I get 90 days terms. I got to sell it through, take that cash to pay off the vendor. We just pay them up front. So we capitalize our businesses very differently. Yeah, no, I, I would very smart. I would say, too, uh, just being firsthand experience with a lot of the uh, music store owners, you guys have obviously spent some time developing and finding the right people to open these franchises because you have a lot of great business owners that are under that umbrella. We do. Um, uh, you know, I'd love to say that we put them through a 50-step process and, we, you know, whatever. We, we, we're not that tight with it. We are not just looking for someone who has the financial wherewithal to do this. Um, we need the right people. We need the right skill set, the right mind frame. Um, we, especially in music around and played against sports, we're looking at people who are already networked in their music 
their sporting good or the sporting uh, the youth sports community in their marketplace. Yeah, I know you guys are in Nashville, but we we've had numerous applicants over the past couple of years for Nashville that had the money to do it, but they, they weren't the right people. Yeah, gotcha. So we 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 turned them away because we want to do this right. Nashville is such an important market. Austin, Texas, another place that we are not. We haven't found the right the right partner to do it there yet. Um, so we do we do take what we'll call attitude, behaviorism, and competency. A, B's, and C's. Um, the A's and the B's have to be huge for us. The C's, we can teach you about guitars and amps and drums and things like that. But the A's and the B's have to be in place, not just the financial side of it. Yeah. And that's actually always been a question of mine, is so, why is there not yeah, been I think a we do. location in the Nashville area? So, yeah, you just answered that. <laughs> yeah, and, and the other thing we know is, I mean, we've identified six, seven prices. Priority market, and then we we actually have applied and been accepted into the Canadian Franchise Association oh, as well. Okay. We're looking for that right partner in the Greater Toronto area. That's where we want to open our first store. We've talked to a couple people. They certainly had the money. They just weren't in the right position. So um, we've identified these markets in the U.S. and we're going to open there. But we're going to open when we find that right candidate. No, um, that's that's really yeah. smart. Let's yeah. let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we on our on my side of the table what we view the difference between a regular brick and mortar store and maybe a music go round store or we call them MGR but an MGR store because yeah. one thing that I think and and correct me if I'm wrong is you guys add a corporate structure to a music store that gives them um, a, a a leg up so to speak. They always have accountability. They always have uh, people saying, hey, you need to get more inventory. How's this looking? What are you doing over here? Um, and, I, and I think that's hugely important because we see a lot of success with these guys because they have Big Brother in a good way saying, hey, we got some <laughs> things that we need to work on. Is that correct or is that just my assessment that is not correct? No, I, I think you are, uh, you're very correct by that. Our role, what a franchisor's role is, and regardless of whether it's music around or subway, is we supply a business model, supply the marketing, the direction. We're the entity throughout the history of franchising is that a successful franchisee follows the model. Yeah. Um, the, the interesting thing with Winmark is that we've helped evolve our model based upon the best practices that have been discovered at the store level. Okay. So it's, it's really... A, uh, it's it's a great it's a it's a great working symbiotic relationship for you know, using a big word there, yeah. but it really is. Um, I, I worked in music stores back in the '90s. How am I and how retail works today is completely different from that. So for me to sit in my office and say, "Guess what? Here's a new merchandising program. This is how we're going to do this." It, it doesn't make sense for me to do it without the involvement of my stores. So if you will, it's a great positive cycle gotcha is that we supplied them the structure they execute the structure they find where we can improve it we improve it we document it we deliver it and it continues to like i said symbiotic i guess is is the best word i can come up with yeah so uh i think our stores absolutely have a leg up from an independent uh, in that we have a structure we have a marketing plan we have our existing e-commerce environment we have the marketing collateral we have a brand identity. Um, we have vendor relationships for new, uh, for used, much like what we, we have with you. Yeah. Um, we have our, our own dedicated point of sale system. 
everything is there for them to step in and start executing a model. Yeah. The big yeah. thing is, is that they don't try to turn music around into something it's not. Right. Well, that's where we find success. Yeah. And, and with that success, do you <clears throat> find some guys that, um, you know, break the rules and, and they're less successful or break the rules and in some territories are more successful? Because obviously a plan I view as a framework, you're framing out what they want them to look like. But some guys are I mean, you got a lot of smart smart guys there and some of them may be able to stretch the rules a little bit in the right way and actually grow their business and then some are so stubborn they want to put their foot down and show you and then it actually hurts their business that's my assessment and that's the way i feel your thoughts um to a certain extent i'm going to say less and less over the last 10 to 15 years okay cool and the and the reason i say that is because if I dial back our brand 10 or 15 years, we were still really trying to identify who we were going to be in the marketplace. Yeah. When I took over the when I took over the brand in 2006, and I and I'm okay legally giving this information, our average store was doing about $630,000 a year total that's net revenues. Yeah. Uh, we were about 50 50% used as far as our balance of sale used versus new. Really? Our okay. our average store was carrying about $60,000 at cost of used inventory. And at that time, again, this is pre-2008, we just needed to decide who are we and what are we going to be? We can't be all things. I can't be better at doing new and marketing than Guitar Center. And if I was to try to do that, we would fail miserably because they could out-buy us, they could out-market us. They've got, at the time, we had 38 locations, they had 200. Yeah. You know, you're not gonna beat them at what they do best. They found their place their competitive difference, we defined ours. So I dial forward now in 2018, our average store does well over a million dollars a year. Yeah, We're 80% used, uh, and our average store is carrying about $130,000 at cost of used inventory. Mm-hmm. We defined at that point, this is who we're going to be. So if I dial back 15 years and talk to our franchisees from back then, and many of them are still with us, they were kind of instrumental in us deciding how we're going to be this used thing yeah yeah so so when you say things about there's rules that they break versus opportunities that they have i'd say today a franchisee that goes a little bit outside the box is taking advantage of an opportunity that their marketplace is providing them sure gotcha versus versus breaking a rule mm-hmm. um yeah. we're, we're fairly hard and fast and i think what we've proven over over the past five ten years is that if you follow the basics of our brand you will succeed mm-hmm. uh, where there's opportunity. So as an example, a uh, handful of our stores have become Roland dealers. They have an opportunity for specific Roland products that there's a hole in their marketplace. Not yeah. for everybody, but hey, if I can't get enough used digital pianos, why not carry one or two price points absolutely. from Roland? It, yeah, it, absolutely. Smart. Yes. So, so, so that, that, that's what I talk about more so, not breaking the rules, but taking advantage of a marketplace gotcha. opportunity. Yeah. So, Good way to say yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say, too, uh, have you, obviously, as the world's shifted and the world's changed, you know, online selling, social media and everything has become kind of a big part of everybody's life. Uh, also, from my observation, too, you guys have spent a lot on your website and e-retail and being able to search in between stores. Talk a little bit about that and the transformation that you guys have kind of gone over and where that's heading. Yeah, so in 2000, I mean, we we had an e-commerce presence. I call it e-commerce with a small e. Uh, 
prior to 2013. It was based on Craigslist with links to PayPal for someone to pay for it. In 2013, we launched a full e-commerce environment, SSL encrypted shopping cart, um, ties in with uh, each individual store's merchant center account through authorized.net, all these different pieces. It was a full e-commerce environment. Where the complexity was, was having 35 stores that each had their own domain. You know, music around St. Paul versus music around Louisville versus music around Littleton.com. So getting those domains all interlinked was the biggest and most unique challenge. We couldn't find an existing structure and that provided e-commerce from individual domains. Now, in the past couple of years, you have the marketplaces that are coming up, the reverbs and the what have you, mm-hmm. but you're still selling through one domain. So in uh, uh, November, late November of this, of this past year, we migrated from a subdirectory environment into, or sorry, from a multi-domain environment into a subdirectory environment. Um, so all of our stores exist underneath one domain. Um, and that made uh, how Google understands us sure. a whole lot easier for them to understand That's a big us. deal. Um, it is. So the important thing for us is that a customer who comes to Music Around is buying from Music Around. They're buying from an individual store underneath this umbrella of Music Around or multiple stores. But we've made it a lot easier now in this new environment for them to do so. Uh, and we're already seeing the impact. Um, so... Uh, would I say that we are front runners, that we're cutting edge when it comes to the e-commerce environment? No, we are not. We, we're not. Um, the, uh, the focus of our business is brick and mortar. And we'll always be brick and mortar because that's where we get to buy used from our customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you want to call it, they call it brick and, or what are they, web and retail or brick and, brick and e-com or there's <laughs> different slap terms for it. You know, we're always going to be a place because you can't, we can't buy used from our customers online. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, so our idea is that e-commerce creates a revenue channel, but it's the single most important marketing channel to our brand. Yeah. Um, and by that, by that, I mean, you know, we've been around for 25 years. So the musicians in America kind of know about us. You know, you know they, they know about us through e-com, whatever, but they find it not because they're searching around. They're searching for a fender strat. And they happen to find our used American Strat at 30, 40% less than what they find a new one for and go, wait, who are these guys? I won't get any deeper than that because, you know, Google Analytics tells you an awful lot of, uh, of information about yeah. your customers. Yeah. And most people, most people probably be freaked out if they found out how much businesses know about the activities that people have online. So analytics tells us that roughly 75% of our web sessions to this day are still new IP addresses hitting our website. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a, that's a big deal. That means you're still reaching a lot of new people. It is. It's, it's definitely a check your ego kind of thing. I've been around for 25 years. We're doing millions and millions and millions of dollars a year in, in, in used instrument sales. And yet three out of four people that hit our website have never been there before. First time. Interesting. So it's, yeah, it, which is great. We love it. Sure, you know, sure. it, it I, I believe musicians have always said when we think we've perfected something, we should quit playing our instrument because now we got to do something else. Yeah. It's the same <laughs> thing with us. Is uh, our, our e-commerce environment is really important as a revenue channel for our stores as well as a marketing channel. Mm-hmm. Um, we're constantly trying to improve it uh, within the constraints of this unique environment that we're in because there's just nobody else out there like us. Yeah. Um so I would say our, 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 our marketplace now, or I should say our online experience does resemble more of a marketplace, yeah. but it's a closed marketplace to just music around stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And, yeah. I, and I could see where, um, obviously, one of the big deals 
that you guys have within your philosophy is to buy used. You just said to have that brick and mortar so that you can connect with people and buy that inventory. Uh, yeah. Has it become harder and harder to do that now that there's online sales, so there's more outgoing, or you just, or is there just, uh, is it just as easy as it's always been to get used off the street? Oh, who's going to see this? <laughs> I, there's two answers. Honestly, honestly, our used inventory continues to grow. Yeah, um, and, I, and I'm not going to say that it's easy what we do. But it's the most important thing we do, so we put our efforts into that. Yeah. Uh, and and it, without giving away our secret sauce too much, uh, <laughs> it's not brain surgery. But uh, it's the single most important thing we do, so therefore that's what we really focus our energies on. Okay. Um, and we've been very successful for for it, uh, or, or we've been very successful to this point. We continue to promote that message, which makes us unique in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. People definitely have alternatives. They have more alternatives than they did five years ago. Um, we just continue to focus on the advantage of them selling to us versus trying to sell it on eBay or Reverb or Craigslist or somebody else who's who's acquiring used. So yeah. So okay. would I would I say it's easy? I'd never say it's easy. Mm-hmm. And and I'd say that to our franchisees, to a potential franchisee, or anyone who just wants to know more about a brand, it's not turnkey. You don't show up in our store and the used gear walks in. You have to work for it. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. So. Hey Tim, let's let's switch gears just a second and uh, sure. talk about. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a question or or phrase it as uh, motivating unproductive uh, owners, and I'm not just talking about music go round guys, okay. and, and that'll keep you from being in trouble if I open it up you're to everybody. About, you're, um, you're talking because, about play it against sports as well. No, oh yeah, but 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 you know we have a lot of people that uh, uh, listen to this that are our brick and mortar stores. And I think sometimes that, uh, you know, they get beat up all the time. I mean, being a store owner is something that a lot of people don't understand. It's a tough gig. You know, it's a hard way to make a living. There's a there's a lot of glamour in it some days, and some days it's just not. It's some yeah. days you just want to go, man, I need to go on vacation, lock the door, and get the heck out of here. So it's tough. So some people become unproductive. They become unpro- unproductive because they don't have a cheerleader. And that's one thing earlier I brought up about you guys. Thankfully, you guys are kind of like a cheerleader. Not only you to other, yeah. uh, but, but you have other locations who are friends. You got, you know, this store is friends with this store and you can always lift each other up. But we have a lot of dealers that they're basically on an island and they've become unproductive because, man, they just want to throw their hands up. So what's some of the things that you do or you could do uh, if if they worked for you to kind of kick them up a little bit, maybe encourage them, uh, take them to the next level. What are, what are some things that, that maybe you do currently when you have a dealer who's a little bit down and out, he's having a bad month or, um, what that looks like. The first thing you do is focus on, on the basics. What actually drives your business? Who are you? So, uh, allow me to deviate from my path a little bit. I, uh, I'm a musician, so I like to hear myself talk. Just going to say that right front. So, hey, why so, do you think we well, have microphones? I, exactly. <laughs> exactly. If if you want someone to say they think highly of themselves, I'll be that guy. Yeah. So, in, in any case, um, uh, back in college, many, 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 many moons ago, um, I did a, a, a like a six hundred level marketing class, and I did a presentation on the, the nine business lessons I learned from Kiss. Uh, and now that they're on their, you know, I'm, I'm not trying out here to promote Gene Simmons, although some Gene should send me some money cause I'm promoting it now, but, yeah. but 
I, I took, I, I've taken those business lessons that I learned from KISS back in college, and I've narrowed them down into what makes our businesses. Actually, when I did my very first general session, or if you want to call it my State of the Union address to Played Against Sports last fall, the first time these guys met me, a bunch of uh, athletes, jocks, whatever you want to call them, sitting in this room, and a guy who looks like me walks up on the stage and goes, guess what, you're going to follow my lead now. Wow. And I started off by saying, here are the four lessons that Played Against Sports can learn from KISS. Now, where am I going with this? And and it, it started with them kind of giving me the whole look of like, where is this going? Yeah. But the reality of it is, any business that is either struggling or trying to find itself or trying to move forward, anyone, the first thing you have to, to do, rule number KISS, know who you are, right? Know your competitive difference. What does KISS do? What did they do that nobody else did? And then the follow-up to that is be the best at what they do. So I would say to any business that's struggling or trying to find motivation or whatever, Sit down and do, for lack of a better term, a SWOT analysis. Your strength, your weakness, your opportunities, and your threats. Who are you in the marketplace, and what do you provide that's different from somebody else? And focus on that. There are, there are uh, retailers in the MI industry who focus more in on lessons, even though lesson business is dying because everything's on the, on the Internet, right? But there yeah. are people who are really successful at it because they figured out a way, whatever story is listening to is, sit down and ask yourself, who are you, and what do you do well? And then focus on that, yeah. right? If you want to call it low-hanging f- fruit, if you want whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. focus on what you do the best and be the best at that. And, and you're right. In a sense, we as a franchisor can be a bit of a cheerleader at times, a bit of a psychiatrist, a bit of a you know an analyst or whatever. Um, we're here to help support that. The great thing about a franchise system is they have each other, and they do meet, and they do talk, and they do share best practices, and they do build each other up. It's a great community. For those who are on their own, there are communities like that in LinkedIn. There are communities like that on Facebook. There are communities all over the place that they could get involved in. Um, NAM does some great stuff with yeah. uh, with yeah. a, a social networking. Get involved and find other people through social media channels or whatever that might be in a similar place that you could work with that you could be a for lack of a better word like a competitive buddy with it's like challenge each other but the most important thing i'd say to anybody who's struggling or who's who's really having a hard time finding motivation is look at your business define what it is that makes you different and focus in on that because we all know that winning cures all ills yes so if you can find a win if you can find that one thing that your business does well and it can increase your sales by two or three percent Where's your motivation at? Your motivation is now up. Yeah. You're feeling better about yourself, and now you're going to put the energy and focus into other things. But, man, get back to basics. Who are you, what you do, and do it the best. Yeah. Good answer. That, that would and, be my direction. And I, I like that. And I, what did you call it, the SWOT approach? Yeah, so a SWOT analysis is, is something businesses will do. You look at your strengths and your weaknesses. You look at the opportunities out in the marketplace and the threats. Wow. And you basically put that into a grid and you identify, okay, what do we do well? What do we not do well? What do others do that we could do better? And what are our threats in the market? That helps you define a business strategy. Yeah. Tim, so, Tim, you so sound very, you're sounding way smarter than we are. We need you to dumb it down <laughs> a little bit. No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm sounding smarter than I look. Yeah. No, 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 no. That, that, I, I really like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and listen to that segment again because I really like what you're, what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. And there's a lot of people out there listening that need that kind of encouragement. So I'm sure they're gonna appreciate it. Let's talk about something uh, that we talk about a lot here, and that's employee. 
Um, I want to know your opinion of the value of employees, how people can go about employees. Um, uh, you know, just talk overall about the value of employees and what your thoughts are. Your business wouldn't exist if you didn't have a front line. So one of the things we focus on on music around is finding the right people to represent our brand. I talked about it before, the A's, the B's, and the C's, attitude, behaviorism, competency. To me, when I'm sitting down with a new hire, the A and the B is as, if not more important than the C. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just gonna speak from my, from my history of being back in the retail stores and working in stores way back when, tons of gear experts would walk in our store. Everybody knows everything about, oh, there's people who know more about a Marshall amp than should be even known. Yeah. But does that, does that mean that they're a great person at buying and selling it and creating relationships, right? Um, I'm big into golf, and I'm a huge Tiger Woods fan. But do you think Tiger Woods would be a great golf teacher? Or, or a relationship, Probably. like, you know, divorce attorney exactly. or something? Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of had a bridle what I was going to say, you know? He's like, Tiger Woods is my friend. I can't yeah. say anything. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, no, he's not. No, he's, he's not. But, but I, I think that's kind of the point. Um, from developing and empowering for, uh, uh, your, your uh, employees is the most important thing you could do as a business owner. Yeah. Um, Staffing and scheduling and making sure that you have the right coverage and all—that's all analytics and that's all you know. How many dollars, how many labor or uh, sales per labor hour should I be generating per employee? That's all fine and great, but the most important thing you can have because when somebody walks in the door, they see that employee's face and that face equals music around. Yes. Yeah. So um, we we spend a lot of time in our conferences, in our training, in our discussions, in ongoing development of our staff, and and I'm very proud of the fact that. The, our turnover in music around stores is very, very low. Okay. Um, we, we know that the full-time you know, buyer-seller is not a career. Let's just be honest. It's yeah, not a career yeah. job. It's, it's something that you know, the, 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 uh, the, the young rockers get into at 18, 19 years old and maybe work until they're 25, 26, 27. We have, we have staffers who've been with us for, well, there's one guy who's been here longer than I've been here who still works for our Burnsville and Roseville locations, um, buying and selling pro sound and, and just rocking it because that's what he wants to do. And yeah. that's great. I love the fact that we have people like that. But uh, developing your employees is really, really important. One of our franchisees a couple years ago made a comment at a conference that really rings true to me. And he says, it's, everyone talks about motivating their employees. And this franchisee, his name is Bill. Uh, Bill says, it's not what we do to motivate them, it's what we do to demotivate them. Because wow. on the day they hire them, the first day that they work for you, they're at 100%. So what have you done to them to make them go to 98 sure. or yeah. 97, mm -hmm. 96? It's like, it, and it's, it's not about caving in. It's about empowering. It's about creating goals and getting them involved in achieving these goals, making them part of the team. So that this 15-hour-a-week employee is saying things like, well, my store, this, and our store, and whatever, yeah. you, when they're engaged, when they're part of the team, we can't do what we do without empowered employees. And that's, that's how I've taken it all the way to where my position is and the staff and the people that report to me. My job is to make sure I stay out of their way so they can do their jobs. Man, that, that's, that was good stuff. Yeah, that's I, huge. I, I'm glad you feel that way, Tim. You're on the same uh, page as we are. We talk good. about that topic a lot. Um, I think employees are... Man, to have a good business, you need to have phenomenal employees. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you. you. You do. And I remember years and years ago where I, a, a franchisee who's no longer with us 
was offended by the fact that one of his part-time employees called it his store. He's like, oh, you should come to my store. And done it. And the franchisee whispered me in the, in the back office. He goes, it's not his store. It's my store. I'm like, wow. man, you don't, wow. what a shallow thought. You don't, you don't get it at all. You don't get it at all. I, I want them to think it's theirs. Sure. Right. And it's your job to empower them to follow the model, to execute to your standards, to give them goals for them to achieve that helps you achieve your goals. Absolutely. The, the more the more we do this together, the better off we're going to be. I so. agree 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, let's let's talk about uh, something that's kind of a taboo touchy word around the MI industry and that's margin. Now, I'm not going to I'm not <laughs> asking you specific margins, so let me just say that up front. That eases people when when you say, "Hey, I don't want exact numbers." Um, but what is yeah. your thought? A lot of times we get dealers and they go, "If I can't make it least this much margin and usually it's quite inflated i'm not even gonna buy it or i don't even want to stock it what's your thoughts well uh, to say that that concept doesn't fall into the analysis of margin you have margin percentage you have margin dollars and one of one of the foundations i like to say is percentages don't pay the bank dollars do yeah right however we have a target that we want to achieve sure sure um there's a fine line between going back and forth between the I'd rather make 30% of 100 than 100% of zero and then having a wall filled with that specific target. So a lot of it is more reactive to the situation you're in. Our our brand has a a, a pretty strict, I don't want to say strict, that's not the right word, a pretty locked in place markdown strategy, aged inventory management. When a product hits a specific day old, it's not worth what we have it marked at. We therefore need to take a markdown. We need to find that price mm-hmm. yeah. that it's going to sell for. So the next time it comes back in, we buy it and we mark it at that right price. So once a product hits a certain age, and I, I'm, again, I'm not going to give away too much of how we do what we do, but once a product hits a certain age, we're taking a markdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, we stop worrying about it as being margin and we start worrying about it as cash. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Because I get rid of that thing, I turn it into cash, and then I can take that cash and buy another used product that Absolutely. I'm going to turn within that period of time. So there's, there is, both sides have credence to it. We, we certainly develop and plan our businesses based upon a specific margin percentage. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is like I said, margins, percentages don't pay the bank, cash does. Yeah. So um, I'm somewhere in between the two. I guess, catch me at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the analysis I always use, so, so, so the, the analysis I always use is the car, the car industry, cars and guitars. You know, when's the right time to buy a car? It's it's at the end of the month because yeah. the dealer is worried about cash, not about margin. At the beginning sure, of the month, sure. no no deals to be had. Uh, at the end of the month, the salespeople want to hit their numbers, so they make sure. their uh, they, they make their commissions. So at the end of the month, the car dealer is more worried about cash. At the beginning of the month, they're more worried about margin. I'm not saying we resemble that. But but overall, um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, uh, people shouldn't put their foot down and have absolutes. I mean, it is kind of a moving target. Sometimes you go, man, I need to hold out because I know I could sell this piece and make the margin I'm looking for. And then sometimes, like you said, they either have a birthday or there's a date or it's got <laughs> dust on it. And you're like, man, we've got to cash out, reinvest our money and move on. Is that accurate? Yeah. Absolutely it is. It happens way before there's a birthday candle or dust on it. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah, sure. Hopefully, for Music Around, hopefully those other people are listening to that realize that, 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 man, oh, man, the worst thing you could do for your customer experience is show your customers the same old stuff. Well, it's kind of funny you bring it up. I I have a, a very much a veteran in this industry. 
Uh, I was on the phone with him the other day, and he was talking about going around, taking inventory of a brand that the rep was getting ready to walk in the building, and he found about four pieces, one that had its first birthday, a couple that had its second birthday, and the one that had its third birthday. And I said, whoa, 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 let's stop right here. I don't want to hear you complaining about that product. I want to know what you're doing to get it out of your store. Yeah, 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 exactly. I agree. It's 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 not the vendor's fault that the product is three years old. No, it's it's not. It's not. Um, I, I appreciate that there are vendors who do have an exchange program where it's like, try this product out. If it doesn't work, you can send it back for full credit. There's a handful of vendors that do that because they believe in their product so much. Yeah. Uh, but man, if if if. I, I can't even imagine a product getting to be three years old. Oh my goodness, yeah, even that's in, insane! In, even in our industry, where where you don't have, you, you do have new products coming out every year. But let's be honest, the less Paul has been the less Paul since sure, sure. 1952. You know, and, and it's been evolved. So, um, in in the other side of my life, in the sporting goods industry, man, oh man, I tell you what, you know, if you don't sell that driver this year or that baseball bat this year, there's a new model coming out next year. Oh so yeah, so. You'd best take your clearance before the season's over, or you're not going to sell that. Piece. Well, look so. at all the money that he didn't make by holding it yeah. out, holding it out to make money. I mean, he yeah. could have invested that thing, you know, ten, twelve, fourteen times. I don't know, but uh, yeah, absolutely. If you if if you want to turn on a four turn model, like yeah. ninety days of inventory. But my uh, director of operations for this brand, his name is Scott, um, really brilliant inventory analysis guy. And he, I think, is one of the reasons that our brand is really doing what it's doing right now, because he really digs in and defines, this is the inventory you need, this is how quickly it needs to turn. And if it isn't, here's a list of stuff that needs to go away. But he always says, after a certain amount of days, you're just paying rent on the thing. Yeah, it's absolutely. costing you money to keep yeah. it in there. Nevertheless, just getting that capital back that you could reinvest. So well, get rid of your dead inventory. Absolutely. Yeah. And on the flip side, let's talk about something else because you were talking about Scott, which I'll tell you why I like Scott and I've never even met him, is I could always tell when he went into a store <laughs> or called somebody or did an inventory report. If their inventory is low, they'll call specific. I need 35 <laughs> acoustics. Yep. And I'm like, man, I know I know where Scott's at. Yeah. But but talk yeah. about that because inventory, moving inventory is very, very important, but having a, a level of inventory is equally important. Would you agree with that? I mean, we've got to have stores that are full, right? We do. It's supply and demand. It's basic economics. It, it really is. I can't sell what I don't have. That's right. Yeah. Right? So if, if and we are lucky enough in our brand to be able to analyze products down to units. Um, our apparel brands sell millions and millions and millions of units. They have to do it at a category level. Um, but we can look at specific units and break it down by price points and say, over the last year, this is who you are. This is how many acoustics you move between 90 or 100 and 150 bucks. And you currently have this. And based upon your turns, you need to have X. And that's why you get those numbers. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's so why we get those it. calls. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll, I'll, I'll bet they're very, in, you know, I'll bet they're probably very specific numbers. I need 19 acoustic guitars. No, oh, yeah. Get it. No, oh, yeah. exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> so Scott's the man. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, next time you need to have him sit next to, to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you should just swipe me this way and bring Scott yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's funny. 
But uh, uh, I, I'm glad we're talking about the inventory levels because it is. We, we get some people, uh, and I've seen it for years in the MI, that go, man, I can't do another order. I've got two of this item left. But, and, but they started with 12, and I'm like, well, no, you need to get more. You know, it's time to reorder. If you wait till those two are gone, how many turns did you miss? You know, so yeah. it's, it's kind of frustrating. Stockouts are are one of the issues that I think a lot of of retailers face is they don't they try to do just in time ordering yeah but what they don't have is a system to tell them that based upon your average unit sale how quickly it takes you to sell your system should be telling you it's time to reorder this product so you don't stock out and so yeah. you get your replenishment in so that that that's a big piece of what we do as well yeah that's mm-hmm. awesome. So. Because I, I know when I worked retail, I, I never just sold a base that was under 800 bucks. I ended up selling like three of them. So if I leaned out my inventory, I would have one or two other people come in and ask for it. And what would happen is if I didn't have that in, which we, we had very good inventory, you would order it. And then it'd be on its way, and then customer number two came in, which you could have sold, and then customer yep. number three came the day before it came in, and then the next day when, when we got the base, nobody came in. But I missed out on selling two units. You know? <laughs> they, so. Yeah, exactly. They went, they went and bought it from somebody else. Exactly. Somebody's got it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the big thing for us is early identification of potential stockout. So. Um, that's a big parameter that, that we, we spend a lot of time looking at is, is helping them. And that's why you're getting those phone calls yeah. uh, and those orders you know, from, from our stores as well. Is, is uh, uh, We need to have these products on our floor um, or we're going to miss out on those opportunities. Yeah. yeah. So, can't sell what you don't have. Can't I sell agree. what you don't have. Well, we're going to wind down here, Tim. Uh, we absolutely appreciate you. We need to have you back again. Yeah. Uh, maybe next time you're in Nashville, we could do a face-to-face in the studio. That's always fun. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Um, yeah. But, but you, you've had you've got a wealth of knowledge that we're just scratching into. We need to do another one and get more information because there's a lot of mm-hmm. dealers that are going to listen to this, and then they're going to rewind it and listen to it again. Um, I, I know I'm going to go back and mm-hmm. listen to you. You said a couple really good things that i need to penetrate myself with uh and keep uh, for the rest of my life but i appreciate that um but but leaving us get you know talk a little bit about you know like i said earlier there's a lot of dealers that um you know they they want substance they want stuff from you um and just give them a little bit of closing advice of of how this could be a successful year for them yeah i i still will always focus on First, identifying who you are, what's your competitive difference, and then being the best at that. You know, you got to give your customer a reason to come and visit you. We kind of joke that customers listen to a radio station called WIFM. What's in it for me? Yeah. <laughs> why, sh- why should I come to your store when I could just go to Amazon, Reverb, GuitarCenter.com, Sweetwater? Got to give those guys props. Um, you're looking for use, you come to musicaround.com, whatever it is. I don't need to come to your store. So you got to give them a reason to do so. You got to think outside the box, and and I understand that creativity typically follows from motivation. And if you're feeling low on that motivational scale, you need something to get you motivated and back into it. And that's where creativity typically flows from. So again, stop thinking about all the different things that are influencing your business. Think about your business and define who am I. What do I do the best, and how can I be better at be at that at the local competition or at the internet competition, whatever your business is based on? Yeah. Um, but be visible, yeah, and and replicate your marketing message. I'm just going to say that 
If I tell my customers via my marketing and the dollars I spend that I do this and they show up and you don't, then you've wasted everybody's time and your money. That's yes, right. So absolutely. Identify who you are, be the best at it, and promote that. Awesome. And that, that'll create, that creates some visibility in the marketplace for you. And that should result into traffic into your business. Now, then it's up to you to do something with that traffic. Awesome. Thanks. It's a great so, message. Yes, it's, yeah, it's very perfect. good. Hey, closing down, favorite 80s, 90s rock band? Well... I mean, I already referenced Kiss, even though they're from the seventies. Um, well, Kiss better is, yet, how about how about how about if you could sing for any band from the eighties? Like they called you up, the, the lead singer tripped and fell and fell in front of a bus and died, and they Holy needed cow. a singer. Who would it be? Well, I I prefer to play guitar for them. Okay, um, mm-hmm. all right. So so I'm going to give you two. Right, uh, all time period. I always wanted to be Ace Frehley. Wow, um, and someone else is. Someone else is getting to be Ace Frehley right now, but that, that's neither here nor there. I love yeah. Kiss, and I'll always they love Kiss. They didn't call you? Got them. No, they didn't. Um, <laughs> okay. And I'm, I'm tragically I'm just devastated by it. No, but I've learned so much. Kiss has been this influence, I mean, not just musically. I mean, I discovered them when I was, what, eight years old? Wow. 1976, Halloween 1976, Paul Lind Halloween, or, yeah, 76, Paul Lind Halloween special. You guys probably watched it as well. Yeah. Don't tell me you didn't, because we all did. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it changed our lives, and it became this thing bigger. And as I was a child, I learned about the music, but then as I got older, I learned about the business. So if there was one band that said, hey, come on up and, and play, I mean, I could even tell you what the song is. It would be Shock Me. I, I'd have to go up and play Shock Me wow. with Kiss. That would Very be, cool. That, that would be it. And then I could just lay down in that grave and die happy yeah, to die. you'd be done. <laughs> well, that's that's yeah. cool. I'll t- I will tell you something. I think Gene Simmons is absolutely brilliant. So probably about four years ago, I was actually going to go out to dinner with him uh, at NAMM with a, with a manufacturer that he was with and a model that they – I won't give you all the back details because it's boring. But I think you know, I, I think I know what you're talking about, though. I think I know who you're talking okay. about too. But, but, okay. but anyways, <laughs> so I was sitting there and I was like thinking, I can do this with Gene Simmons because I think he think it would be funny. I wanted to talk about two things. I wanted to talk politics because he's into politics, and I wanted yes. to ask the question: Is your wife as hot as I think she is? Because on TV, <laughs> she's smoking hot. That was the only two things I cared about. So, so we have something in common. We both like Kiss. <laughs> we, you know, I've I've gotten to meet all the guys in the band over the years. Some some a little bit you know lengthier conversations, some shorter. But um, years and years ago, at in Nashville at a summer NAM show when Paul was there with Washburn, this, yeah, this dates yeah, yeah. me, doesn't? Um, uh, my old boss, the founder of Music Ground, kind of got got me backstage, and, to, and I got to sit and speak with Paul Stanley. And both of us had just become dads at the oh, time, wow. so this is summer of '99. Yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, and the two of us sat and talked for 15 minutes about how scared to death we were about being dads now. Yeah. And sure. and that's a conversation I'll never forget yeah, because a it was with. Yeah, exactly. It was with one of my heroes, but it wasn't about oh my god, I love Kiss Alive too. It changed my life. Blah 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 blah. As a fan, and I can be fanboy every now and then. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, as a as a fan, you're like, I want to have a conversation that is something above and beyond what a typical fan would would have that conversation with. So mm-hmm. that's something that sticks with me. But uh, uh, that band has meant more to me than anything else. It's shaping. I, I continue to say, I don't know if you can see this, but I'm going to shift this real quick. Wow, um, oh, man. Sitting in my man. corner. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. Ace was even just sitting there watching you the whole time. Ace has been with me since 1995. So, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, How he, cool is that? He goes everywhere with me. But 
But uh, again, I'm running played against sports. But if you look around my office, there's kiss stuff all over the place in my office, and it, it's a uh, uh, I literally wear myself on my sleeves. So um, that that band has meant more to me. But if we want to sit and talk bands, man, that could be a whole other podcast. Yes, oh, man, yes. Music that'd actually band. be a great, yeah, be a great that, podcast. That would actually be would, fun. <laughs> the heck with it, retail. Huh? It would be. I, I I could share a story years ago in uh, uh, visiting a really good friend of mine in Cincinnati. Who's in, who's in the industry. Most of my friends are in the industry. But we got together at Mayhem Festival, and we were backstage with a bunch of guys. And I'm not, I'm not going to drop names, but it was, it was, I was kind of sitting around a lot of the heroes of mine that I grew up listening in, the, 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 you know, the, the heavy metal movements of the 80s, the Slayers and the Megadeths and the whatever. And this group of people sitting around talking about what was the best 80s hair metal solo. Uh, and it was just really kind of surreal sitting around talking with these guys who have sold millions and millions of records being kind of fanboy about guys like George Lynch or whatever. Oh, yeah, so it was, yeah, it, was yeah. a, it was a really fun conversation to see that they're no different than anybody else. Oh, sure. They're fans of, of, of that type of music. and Absolutely. Too, so. It's really cool. Nate but, looked at me with a right, smile, guys. and I don't know if he was talking about... You said fanboy and George Lynch in the same conversation. <laughs> Remind me of a funny story that we share often about Nate being a fanboy with George Lynch, but that's, an, that's for another time. But yeah, it, spill the beans sometimes on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot. You're not alone, Nate. There's a lot of people. Oh there. God. Oh, oh no. I think I, we, I would say I'd like to meet him, but I have. He has. <laughs> oh jeez. All right, Tim. Man, we appreciate hey, you. Yeah. Yes. Hey, and I and and music around really appreciates the support that MIRC provides us. Absolutely. Relationship for so many Love years. You guys. So we look we look forward to continuing working with you guys and. Anytime you have me back, again, I'd love to hear myself talk. So, yes. yeah, this summer. Hey, yeah. we're going to do it because I think you have a lot of important stuff. I seriously mean that. Our dealers are going to yeah. love this, and we want to have you back. So yeah. we'll definitely do Absolutely. that. Anytime. All right. Hey, hey, we'll hey, get in on Just keep warm, would you? You kind of got me worried there talking about negative degrees. Yeah, well, yeah. And then tomorrow we're supposed to get six inches of snow. Oh, so. God. you can keep it. <laughs> All right, we're done, dude. All right, thanks, All right, Tim. Thanks, Love man. you, man. Take care, guys. Appreciate Have a good All one. Right. All right, man. So we just wrapped up with Tim. Man, what a great episode. Yes. Uh, you know, as far as everything he had to say, I'm telling you what, the guy the guy knows his stuff. Tons of, tons of great content. I hope everybody uh, took time and, and listened to it. And, and I know I'm going to listen again when it comes out, but I'm also going to probably re-listen to sections of it. Yeah. A super important, super encouraging to hear uh, the, the minds that they have over there at Music Go Round. Uh, no wonder they are so successful. Yeah, absolutely. There's And, and, and you know, guys like... Kevin and Ben and Scott that I work with on a regular yeah. basis, they respect Tim immensely. Yes. So yeah. obviously, uh, he you know he's obviously not only uh, knows what he's talking about, but him and Scott obviously are great leaders for that entire franchise. Yeah, yeah, so. we sure appreciate it, and I, we hope uh, one thing is we were having a little bit of audio problems. Yeah. That's the downside of Skype, but I think everybody kind of you, you know can, you they, can they, yeah. they can hear what's going on. So be patient with us on that. That is not something that we have control over. Uh, yeah. That's a Skype thing. But all that being said, um, I would. Love to have Tim back another time, not because of the audio, but just because of the content yeah. that he delivered and gave us. Um, it it kind of actually got me to think about new questions to ask. Yeah, absolutely. I think I could probably do a three-hour episode with him to just uh, get some of the information that he had. I thought he was well, awesome. Even even just man, it's almost like he could kind of teach a segment on the SWAT. Uh, yes. analysis and the SWAT yes. approach. That yeah. was a what you had said to him. You were going to go back and I, maybe I listen to that again. But, again. But, you know, yeah. I think that's great. 
mean, that's something to where, you know, he mentioned it in three minutes. Yes. You know, that's yes. something that he could probably break down and spend 30 minutes Absolutely. dissecting that so people yeah. really understand that. No, he did a bang-up job. As business owners, I guess, you know, if we don't understand our purpose and understand what we do well, then then what are we really doing? Man, I, th- I actually think that we need to probably do a podcast on that. Yeah. I mean, he, he really encouraged uh, uh, me in a few new areas, and one of it is um, a store owner. It really makes me empathetic about you know being a store owner yeah because they're out there and a lot of times if they don't have the right resources in their life they're really uh, kind of floundering yeah and so doing a doing a podcast on purpose it's got to be on our calendar this yep. year absolutely so but yeah overall i thought that was excellent it was great uh and to be honest with you i've heard so much about tim that was the first time i've ever met him in oh, okay. person well he's a kind nice of guy. kind of in person yeah kind of in person no, he's in, a great in guy. skype person yeah so anyways but man that was a great episode man yes and uh yeah i guess uh yeah we'll just uh we'll keep plowing forward we got some good guests potentially coming up down the yeah, road yeah yeah we've got some awesome stuff coming up so yeah. it's gonna be a great year yeah oh, I we, think we've got is. some huge announcements that uh is gonna come up in the next yeah. two three months so I don't is this know when. is this one of these things where we say we have huge announcements and then we just keep and then in two months we'll say we have huge announcements it's like and kicking then the count yeah, 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 yeah are we gonna do that or do we uh, have some huge announcements well i don't know but it's a good idea <laughs> <laughs> now that we've made the announcement we yeah. better let's go find some yeah all right. <laughs> no that's no we we've do. got some awesome we stuff do. coming up this year i'm super excited about it um we've got some great listeners people that uh support us we really appreciate it uh tim and music go round yeah. everybody out there we really appreciate it and uh i mean you know i i feel complete i feel like we're done yeah i do too so obviously we want feedback from everybody listening to this so just go to the music retail show at gmail.com and man we'd love to know what you think and give us some feedback on what we heard from tim awesome own a music store or sell guitars online need more inventory to stay competitive in today's market MIRC is the nation's largest wholesaler of quality used guitars. Visit www.mircweb.com to become a dealer today. Franklin Strap has been designing, manufacturing, and distributing premium guitar straps and the glider capo since 1999. Our consistent premium quality materials, timeless designs, and support from the most impressive musical retailers in America have made Franklin America's go-to guitar strap brand. Our catalog was designed so that your inventory dollars are put to the best use. As a small business, we understand that every cent matters. Each one of our series is a consumer market designed for the needs of a specific player. Every single model must meet a quality, economic, and aesthetic criteria that defines our brand. We price our straps based on the needs of the working musician rather than corporate profit goals, all while keeping the economics in the USA. And this philosophy is the DNA that gives Franklin its unique legitimacy. It also inspires us to earn your confidence, trust, and loyalty. Visit franklinstrap.com and don't hesitate to call or email with any questions on how to become the next member of the Franklin family. 615-791-7057. Info at franklinstrap.com. Franklin, the soft strap. Thanks for listening to the Music Retail Show. 